John chapter 15. I hear good things about the, minister, uh, the doctor who came in and spoke last week, and so I'm glad you enjoyed him uh, very much. That was Bill Wright who arranged to hook that individual in, and appreciate Bill sharing his friendship with us. John 15. Now remember what's going on. He has told them that he is going to die and that one of them is going to betray them. So they are all kind of up in the air. And so he launches into uh, a sermon which is only found in John 14, 15, and 16. Um, I would like to call it more of a, of a sharing. You know, he doesn't receive much back from them. It doesn't seem like a sermon, but it's a discourse. How about that? He has a longer discourse. He's talked to them about how he remains in the love of God and that they are to remain in the love of God. And then we're going to pop down to chapter 15 and verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. And we ended talking about how that was the message of John's entire life. Love one another. A a new commandment I give you. Love one another. He goes on to, uh, we're going to pop down to verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love one another. That's where we ended a couple of weeks ago, and so we want to remember this, because as much as God loves us and wants us to love each other, he does not paint this in a Pollyanna terms that all will be well. So he starts with the next sentence, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. There was an atheist named Douglas Adams who wrote the amazing, hilarious Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Now, if you've seen any of the movies around it, there have been a a couple of attempts. They were horrible. Forget it. Uh, but, But the books are fall down hilarious and it's a trilogy of five books, which shows you kind of the humor that he has. Um, and he wrote a couple of um, detective things as well. And I see that they tried to do a TV uh, spinoff on his Dirk Bentley holistic detective. I, I got through about five minutes of it. And I went, nah, no. So I I'm, 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 was just too quick. I might go back and revisit it. But he, although an atheist, he just had a throwaway line in there about a girl that gets in trouble um, with the law. And he said, about 2,000 years to date it, 2,000 years after a man walked among us saying it would be good to be nice to each other, and so we killed him by nailing him to a tree. And I thought, you know, in, a, in some ways, that atheist knew what Jesus was about. The uh, biography of him in, uh, outside of the Gospels is one line. He went about doing good. And what happened to him? When you do good, that often happens. You know, I think of um, during the Civil Rights March, you had Martin Luther King Jr., who was a very complex man, and this is why all sides, left and right and up and down, try to claim him. Reading all of his speeches and such, so I just cannot help but be very, very impressed with him. And then on the other side, you've got Carmichael, you've got Malcolm X and the like. They wanted to go violent. They wanted to go burn it down. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to do negotiate and peaceful and more of the Gandhi pacifist way of doing things. And I can remember reading uh, the Taylor Branch trilogy, which really is three books in this state, in this instance. If, if you like to read, uh, 
they, they are big, but Taylor Branch knows how to write. And he has a three-volume uh, series called America in the King Years that I picked up after going to the National Museum of Civil Rights and having my eyes open on a couple of things. I remember I kept getting angry because I, I didn't know this stuff before. But also, uh, we were still up in Rochester at the time. We had quite a few African-American members. And I called several of them into my office. It's kind of like a little summit. I said, no, I'm, I'm not asking you to speak for your people. But I want to go over some of this. And, and we talked. And I, I remember one of the things I said to them was, I've got to be honest. If I had been a young black man during those years, I'm almost certain I would have gone the violent route. I'm almost certain I would have gone over the Malcolm X route. Now, Malcolm X died a violent death, but we all know that Martin Luther King Jr. did as well. We tend to kill the people that tell us to be nice to each other. We do, because that threatens power structures. It, it threatens the way society has moved. It threatens comfort zones. Jesus says, if the world hates you, remember they hated me first. For example, the latest budget will give $500 million to Planned Parenthood. I found that to be a very odd juxtaposition, that kids are marching in the street, which is their absolute right, and uh, they, as they are marching, they're saying, no more dead kids, just a couple of days after that. And I look, but if you say something like that on Facebook or Twitter, what's going to be the response? Left and right will come at you because each one of them has a different place they protect. I, it was just another reminder, that as I talked to Albert yesterday uh, about it, I said, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. I'm just, I'm just on the way. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Can I um, talk to you about what it means to belong to the world? You might think, well, I don't, I don't do everything the world does. You don't have to. You just have to play along. If they're outraged, you be outraged. If they're buying this, you buy that. If they do this, you do that. Not all the way. You don't have to act like a Hollywood starlet. You don't have to act like a, a DJ from Baltimore. You don't have to go as far as a comedian that uh, loves the F word more than he loves life. You just have to go along and not fight it. And you belong to it. You're comfortable in it. You're comfortable with this. I um, was talking to Cammy. Uh, some commercials I really appreciate and enjoy. And some of the Geico ones I really enjoy. By the way, it, their insurance would be free if they weren't spending all that money on commercials. But one of the, the ones that's current now, you have a knight in armor and you have a peasant heckling them. But it's in very florid, creative language, because that's the way we used to curse people. You had, to, you had to put some thought in it. And I said, I would love if we were back in, in that style of speaking to each other, instead of 15 permutations of the F word and calling that clever. We, we just tend to go along. We belong to the world. I, um, I've got illustrations in my head, but they're about other people and not me, and I don't feel comfortable, you know, saying this person. Um, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Um, remember, the main thing that people hate about Jesus is his exclusivity. He doesn't say, I'm one of the paths to God, 
be at peace whatever path you're on. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what really upsets people. It is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, how can I put this? It's a claim that our world doesn't like that kind of claim when it comes to religion. They like that kind of claim about everything else. My party is good and your party are evil. They enjoy that. They enjoy that absolutism. If I have five kids with five different people and you bring that up, you're a horrible person. And the world will agree. It's amazing the line they draw about exclusivism that you cannot question is around religion when we do it that's wrong. Everywhere else it's okay. Have you noticed that? I find that fascinating. I do. Used to used to find it anger, you know, just maddening, but I don't anymore. I just find it going, hmm. And I, I look for the tendency in myself because that can that can happen. This week, <laughs> some preachers on a forum online, um, all good people. Uh, so I should set that up. All good people. Uh, we're talking about what does it mean to have, be called to ministry. And they'd had this discussion for a while. I didn't jump in it because I don't have to jump into everything. You know, I can just kind of watch and move on. As my dad used to always look at me and shake his head and say, as a visitor to our planet, what do you think of the human race? Uh, I, would, I, I just wanted to be left alone and think, you know. And so anyway, finally they mentioned my name and they, they want to bring me into it. And they say, what is it, you know, can you describe your calling to ministry? And I had to be honest. I said, I, I wasn't called. I was tossed. God didn't come to me in the middle of the night and say, I would like for you to study and I'll do this. No, it's just, I wake up one morning, I turn around and go, oh, um, okay. But this is the last time, God. I've said that to him about 8,000 times now. Um, one, one guy even asked me, can you help me write my resignation letter? And I said, absolutely. I've written them thousands of times. I've only, I, I've only delivered a couple, but, but I, I keep one in the back pocket at, at all times. That is... When God chooses you, you are going to hit some of those rocks in the stream of our culture. It's going to bump you. I don't think God wants you to be in your face to the culture. I, just, I don't see Jesus doing that. There's, there's a lot of in your face in Matthew 24, but that's against the religious leaders of the day. And so I don't think you should go out there with a sidewalk sign, on, a sandwich sign on saying, turn or burn. I, I just don't think that's effective. Have you ever seen street preachers? Has that ever been a part? You do? Yeah, okay. We, that's kind of a culture in Britain, or it was. We still have what we call speaker's corners, the most famous ones down in London, Hyde Park, where uh, all, it's usually Sunday, all people come that want to stand up on the box, that's where the soapbox idea came from, and yell out whatever they want to yell out. I've actually, to be honest, never been there to watch it. So I can't give you any more other than you know, third-hand accounts. But I, I subscribe to Scottish magazines. There are a couple. And one of them says they've now got clearance for a speaker's corner right outside of Glasgow. And I'm thinking, oh, dear, that's going to end poorly. Uh, the Scots aren't going to take well to it. Um, difference of opinion. I, however, right downtown Glasgow by the Trungate, uh, which is up from the Gallagate, um, there was a street preacher. And, I mean, he was just mean. You know, you walk by, and he would, he would call women nasty names because they weren't dressed according to his standard, and he would yell at people about burning and this, that. 
they tried to move him several times because freedom of speech is not, there's no Bill of Rights in Britain. They claim there is, but it's unwritten. So if it's unwritten, you know, it's hard to enforce. And so they tried to shut him down repeatedly. And the last couple times I've been there, he wasn't there. So I don't know what happened to him. I don't think he ever converted anybody. Um, and I, that's, that's the thing. You know, if it worked, I would say, go do it. I don't think it works. I could be wrong there. Uh, you know, people do knock on doors uh, thinking they're going to get somebody. But he says, if I choose you, the world will hate you. Why will the world hate you if God chooses you? We've done this big old long setup here. Just because Jesus chose you to do something, I don't think this is Calvinism. I think it's just the way God works. Um, how will that put you in conflict with the world? How about this? I have a friend. He listens. And so he knows, but I didn't ask permission for the name. Um, who just left the ministry. And he didn't really want to leave the ministry, but things had just gone sideways. And in my heart, I don't think the minister did anything wrong to precipitate it. I, I think I've seen what's behind it. But now he needs a new uh, career because his family are really tied into that community, uh, that area geographically. And so he can't go get a, a, a ministry in Texas or California or something. So now he sells insurance, a very honorable thing to do. You know, I buy insurance, and my insurance agents are, with only one exception, members of this church. And that one exception is I bought life insurance from somebody I have no idea who they are. Uh, but everything else is, is from people here. Is he going to ever have a temptation to deal with that might put him sideways with his bosses selling insurance? Yeah. Because some stuff makes more money for the company, but might not be the best thing for the person. Now, I don't even know what company he's in. I don't know what their policies are. I do know I've talked to ministers before who sold insurance who came to me and said, I'm in real trouble because I've gotten sideways with my bosses. I don't want to sell this to these people because they really don't need this. They need this, which costs less. But the company is pushing me to do this. Anytime you have morals or standard, the world gets offended. It does. Um, I was really thinking you guys would be chiming in here about how being chosen by God can... I mean, you're in the legal profession, and you know how the temptations in the legal profession are... Uh, in fact, I, I, I think I told you this once. When we were first married, I had the opportunity to go to law school if I wanted to go that direction. And Cammy not only put her foot down, she drew lines and started, you know, holding up a baseball bat and waving it threateningly. She said, Patrick, the way you love verbal games and playing with language, you will lose your Christianity within 18 months. A wise woman. <laughs> and and, and I, I think she was. I think she was right. You know, I was offended for like five minutes before I went, okay. Because I, I caught myself trying to argue her out of it and went, oh, that's what she's talking about. Okay, got it. It's easy. It's easy to, um, in any really of our professions, to get sideways with the world because we have morality. And when we say that, what does that sound like? Arrogant, I'm better than you. Does anybody in this room feel we're better than anybody? No. But Jesus has called us to a standard of conduct. And that offends the world. Here. 
It's anywhere and everywhere. Yes. You know, can we, let's not talk about us then. Let's talk about young people. We have a few right there. <laughs> Do you remember, uh, and, and guys, I'm sure this has happened to you because it happened to me, and that was back in the 70s whenever we had to forage for food. I'm just kidding. Um, the dinosaurs would bring us some. Uh, and you'd be sitting around in a party, and all of a sudden the alcohol would show up or the weed would show up, and it starts coming towards you, and you're going, you know, you're 16, even if you thought it was okay for a beer at 16, it isn't, you know, or the weed's coming, and they hand it to you. How easy is it to say, no, I don't do that? You know, there's some kids that would probably say, that's pretty easy. It wasn't for me. I didn't do it, but I'd go, you know, I, I, and then they'd go, oh, come on, you're scared. You're scared. Wait a minute, I'm scared to, to join the herd and to let other people make my decisions no i made a decision uh, and my decision is this did they whenever you, um, I, I gotta tell you every single time i made that decision the response was not oh good for you making your decision standing on your own two feet there no 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 the world won't do that to you it just won't i drove through uh, detroit the other day and i told them on the other side of detroit I said, I just drove through yesterday. You might have noticed me. I was the guy going the speed limit. Anybody see? Anybody see? Um, I thought I was going to get killed. And I kept going, you know, as soon as I speed up, there's going to be a police officer seeing a Tennessee tag. I think that's probably a myth. But the point being, doing what God wants you to do can be very inconvenient. You ever walked by an opportunity to do good, and God just kind of, and you go, so inconvenient and go back the world doesn't know what to do with us because we won't applaud when it applauds I love the book of Esther we're not going to fling ourselves down when Haman walks by does that help alright a couple weeks ago you guys talked and talked doctor comes talks to you about dying and you shut up Remember, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a lot funnier in my head than it was out here. Uh, sometimes I tickle myself and the room doesn't notice. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. I would, I would love it if everybody liked me. There are people that thrive for the argument and the combat. I'm really not one of them. I'm, God tosses me into it all the time. I don't enjoy it a bit. I normally try not to say anything unless I have to in these environments. And being somebody who's known in public, the, the, the heads will turn that direction. And I'm going, I do not like conflict. I like peace. But being that I work with God and I'm trying to follow him, I get jumped. This last week was one of those times. Um, we are a church which has made very strong moves forward to follow the spirit of God. And instruments are a little sign of that. But also, although today there weren't any, and I kept thinking, we, we welcome the voices of women. And they can preach and they can lead at the table and all this other and I found that we were being attacked on one website because we didn't have women elders. 
And I, I, so I responded, which I almost never do, but I thought, I know these people. They will be gracious. I said, you know, we will study this, and we are studying, and we will go where the Spirit wants. Came back, yes, that should comfort us. A bunch of men getting in a room deciding what women are allowed to do. I came back saying, are you trying to eat your own? Because we've stepped out and gotten all kinds of arrows, and that didn't help at all. I, it just got nasty, so I just withdrew. Blocked the group. Not interested. But the point is, the attacks will not just come from the right, they'll come from the left. And they do. They will come from every direction. If all you're trying to do is follow Jesus at ear speed, can I talk about that briefly? This is something God has to talk to me about all the time. My speed is not their speed. Don't attack them when they're not in lockstep with you. So how many churches have we named and shamed in this since I've been here for four years? None. Let's not even talk about an individual church. What denomination have none? And the reason is God's trying to teach me, let them walk at the speed that the Holy Spirit's leading them. It's so hard when you want it now, isn't it? It is. By the way, I got to tell you, I'm looking around, looking around. I don't, I don't think they're in this room right now. We had several visitors here because spring break means other people leave there who came up and hugged me afterwards crying at how beautiful the fellowship is here and how much they want it. Let's not forget what God's already given us. This is my thin place. Love you guys. I love 82% of you people. Oh, my. <laughs> what you say it is there's a chance. Yes. <laughs> One of the great lines in, in, in all theater. They will treat you this way because of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. Um, I will never get over the two days we spent, uh, Josh and I and a couple of others, with the Muslims last year. I, scales dropped off my eyes as they dropped off their eyes because they had a lot their Quran mentions Jesus a whole lot more than Muhammad and they have this all view of Jesus and it's a positive view but it's not as high a view as our view and they had some real ideas about him and so the first I would say 15 hours were pretty tense until one of them said something and it wasn't offensive it was just not accurate. And so I came back and I said, well, Jesus actually did something to illustrate that. And I told one of his parables, like, and, and they looked, and they looked at each other, and they said, where is that? And I gave him a scripture. The next day, that was all we did, was talk about Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. I can remember teaching a Bible class in Cascabaren, which is a neighborhood of Glenrothy, Scotland, uh, just north of Edinburgh, across the, the Firth. Uh, and I was just a kid, I was probably I was 17, uh, but they had assigned me to teach, and we were bringing in neighborhood kids. The kids came because there were games and candy. You know, that's, they're, they're, not, they're not church attenders. And if we sucker them in and they become church attenders, they're, uh, they're gonna find that there are no more games or candy. <laughs> I always felt that that was really a bad bait and switch. But anyway, I remember we, the, the theme of VBS was basically the Easter story, although we weren't allowed to say Easter. And when I got to the cross, I looked down and this little girl, um, two little girls rather, I'm going to say that they were probably nine or ten, were crying. I wasn't used to that. I looked at them and I said, I said, what's wrong? And they looked at each other, they looked at me and they said, Mr. Mead, we didn't know. 
And I'm going, I can count four church spires from where I'm standing. They didn't know. They don't know our Jesus. Are they going to sit down and study with us? Unlikely. So they need to see him. And Jesus said it's going to work sometimes. Other times not. Light and salt. Do you remember our talk about that? You either want it or you don't. You're not neutral about light and salt. Cammie just had me put in some more lights in her kitchen. And I could do it because I didn't have to put in new lights. We just replaced old ones. And that I can do. So we set them up. And she put the lights, the bulb she wants in there. And we threw the switch. <laughs> I could see bones. And, and I said, we're, we're going to get Edison bulbs or something to put in those. And she, she goes, no, I like this light when I cook. And I'm going, thanks for the heads up. I'll be in the garage under the car uh, because I'm pretty sure this will give me melanoma she wanted it I didn't you see that you're not neutral same with salt uh, we're not neutral when you walk in sometimes it's going to be an acts two situation and 3,000 are going to come uh, and then it's going to two chapters later it's going to be we're going to haul you in front of the court for saying that Just keep who you are who you are, act, do not react. I want to say that again. Act, do not react. Those who li- most people live their life as a pinball in a machine, reacting to the last thing that happened. That can't be us. We have to make our decision who we are before we leave the house and stay true to that. No matter what happens, what if you have an accident? What if you're in pain? What if you're sick? What if they're sick? What if you're let down here? Whatever. You have to make your decision who you are. We had a staff retreat this week, and I, um, <coughs> by the way, it's their idea. I don't think, you know what would be good? Let's go off into the wilderness where you can't even get a Wi-Fi signal and all sit around and talk for a day and a half. That, that, and I didn't come up with that. But anyway, I went with it. And Gary came up with it. It's him to blame. One of the things I sat and talked to them about was, um, remember the first speech I gave you when I first came here, was that no is a spiritual word. As a Christian, you need to learn how to draw your lines and say, I'm just, that's not what we do. Okay, I don't know if this is getting through or interesting or not. I'm going to keep going. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. That, does that bother anybody? If you wouldn't be guilty of sin, why did you show it up? Because God has better dreams for us than we have for ourselves. And he, I, a kid begging on the streets of India who's beaten every night at home, what are their dreams? They don't have many because they've seen nothing else. They know nothing else. So should Jesus just leave that? Or should he show up? Jesus comes because we don't need to live like we've been living. We can do better. I think of that almost every time I see the news. We can be better than this. We can be better than this. We've got to find a way to be better than this. Um, Cammie and I went to Red Robin, which is one of our thin places. We're not thin when we leave. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. We love Red Robin. Um, 699 Taco Tavern. There's no alcohol involved, as far as we know. And if we found out, we wouldn't care. Because the burger's fantastic. It really is. You know, you, 
If you got a little bit of it right there, your tongue would beat your brains out trying to get to it. It's really good. And it's six, did I say it was six ninety nine? It's six ninety nine, people. Anyway, we went there. It was Friday night, and she had her work had taken a bit longer, so she didn't have a meal prepared. And you might say, "Well, Patrick, you no, I, you don't want another burnt offering unto the Lord." So I always just take her out. We went there. Uh, Friday means it's a bit crowded. Fifteen minute wait. Bunch of young guys took up all the benches and seats. A couple of women there, they didn't move. In fact, when a couple of them got up and Cammy started to sit down, one guy almost shoved her out of the way. And I would, I'd like to make this story better that I glared at him and, and no, no, basically she did. But she got her seat. I thought, we can be better than this. But to be honest, there are times that I've given seats to somebody when they offered a seat, when they glared at me for treating them like a lesser human being, you know, the whole male versus female thing. And I remember one, one just went over and I said, by the time you're all done, we all know where you stand, but we also know that I'm still standing. You don't get to decide that I'm going to plop back down. No. You can decide you don't need the seat, but I'm going to decide that I'm the kind of person who stands when somebody walks in. That did not make her happy. She didn't go marry somebody, have 15 kids, and you know, go to the mission field. But the point is, I've got to be who I am. You've got to be who you are under God. Be a part of God's people. And, if, and now we have no excuse. I mean, because we have seen goodness before we used to say, and Paul makes a pretty good point, all of a sin. All of a sin. But we used to be able to say, and it's not our fault. And then Jesus ruined the curve. Cammy always ruined the curve in school. I watched her because she went back to school after we were married and had kids to get another degree. And an A was not enough for her. They had to throw a parade. She was going to do well. And, you know, she graduated magna cum laude. And I'm thinking, I graduated praise the laude. I, that's... <laughs> Summa come hardly. I don't remember what it was. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention, and that could be the problem. But I, I would always, I ask her, I said, in high school, did they hate you for blowing the curve? And she said, yes, but they shouldn't have. They just should have worked harder. And I'm going, that's Cammie. That's her all over right there. Uh, Jesus blew the curve. I, I have scars on me emotionally, and almost all of them were self-inflicted. How about you? I'm the, I'm the one who, who put myself in that bad place. I'm the one who made the bad decision. Uh, nobody forced me. When I was a kid, I used to say, they made me. That was found to be unacceptable pretty early. Now we have no excuse. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. That's kind of important when people say, I don't like Jesus, but you know, I like to be spiritual. Um, you're not going to find another dance partner out there you want to dance with. Let's start with Jesus. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. In other words, if I can't prove I'm God, okay. As it is, they have seen, and yet they hated both me and my Father. This is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Why, why did people hate Jesus when he did miracles? Oh, 
Now, please do not under misunderstand what I'm going to say here. They hated him for the same reason they hated Martin Luther King Jr. He's upsetting the societal norm. They hated him for the same reason they hated Gandhi. This is breaking the societal norm. They hated him for the same reason they hated the, um, the anti-slavery people in the 1840s, 1850s, because they're breaking the norm. They're breaking what everybody has agreed is okay. And they're stepping up and saying, no, no, this isn't okay. Yes, we have a, we have a contestant. Hey, Kevin. Yes. You're absolutely right, and I wish we could have captured all that on the, the audio, but we're talking about when you differ with somebody, um, we're, we're not talking about just going against societal norms. We, this is a personal conflict with you and another individual. The response in love has a much greater chance of working than a here are the 15 reasons why you're wrong approach. This lady that uh, I told you about in a sermon who's found herself in disagreement with her son over a pretty important issue and I'm just I'm going to leave it at that the son says you have to accept and affirm where I am and she's saying no I can love you anyway he's claiming you cannot love me unless you accept and affirm I would say he's dead wrong in logic we call that the I love the name of it the uh, love me love my dog fallacy because it means if you love me, you must love every decision I've ever made and agree with everything I've ever done. And I've said, uh, told this lady, I said, let him know that if that was true in marriage, no marriage would last a week. Because even though we don't, we're not upset at that decision, that's not a decision I would have made. You know, see what I mean? Like the lights in the kitchen. By the way, they're beautiful when they're off. Um, they really are. It's their thing of beauty. Um, I should have wired them to where they never came on. But uh, it, I was as surprised as anybody when they worked. Um, it's, always, it's, it's true. It's always like, oh, oh we didn't die. And, you know, and when you threw that switch, I, you know, I'm always looking out to see if the garage goes up. You know, and no, oh, okay, we're good. Um, we haven't tested every, every circuit, though. We can, we can have, I know where you are there on Kevin, and, and let me see if I can try to phrase it. We have a better chance of affecting change 
if at first we have a relationship with the individual. Therefore, the conflict doesn't trump the relationship. Does that help? Um, there's a show on TV, which I really can't recommend because there, there's an awful lot of immorality discussed in it. But when I first came on, I was fascinated by the characters of the Big Bang Theory. And it has some of the best writing on TV, even though, again, some of the, you know, there are some of the shows I'm going, ah, oh, it's where it's gone, and I'm away. What really fascinates me is it is so not real for many reasons. But one of the biggest is if you treated each other this way, none of these people would be friends. The way they speak to each other, none of these people would be friends. They would not speak to each other on the street, yet they keep them together in this gladiatorial combat, basically, for the entertainment. And people, I don't, I'm, I wonder, how many people don't realize how unrealistic this is? Um, we are, um, we're hard to get along with when we disagree. We become disagreeable, and men and women do it a different way. Kevin, when you said, uh, and don't give them a list of reasons why you believe what you do, that's a guy thing. A guy in an argument will immediately start pulling out his bullet points. A woman will argue their feelings, their relationships, and by, yes, I'm being stereotypical, and there are always exceptions, um, and considerable exceptions. But a woman will often have her, her list of reasons, but to a guy, they don't sound like facts. And so they start talking past each other. Whoever you want to read about this, uh, Deborah Tannen is who you want to read. She's, she's a sociolinguist. Remember the first time I saw that word, I thought, there are jobs for this? But there are. And she has made a great career writing. Uh, Tannen is T-A-N-N-E-N, -N -E -N, and Deborah is spelled with the O-R-A-H uh, at the end. It's a full name. She is amazingly wise about how men and women talk past each other in business. I don't know that she's a Christian or a believer at all. It's, it's all written from the business point of view. Never met the woman, just read her books. Um, I learned a lot about why Cammie and I, when we differed, never came to a place where we could understand each other. It's because we were arguing in a different language. That's not the Mars-Venus thing. Forget that. Forget that. Uh, it, it's because we didn't need to, we, we learned later, you know, we don't even need to convince each other. All we need to do is love each other, even if we come to different decisions. And that works better. Some things, you, you know, where do we live, that's a different issue. Um, they hate without reason. They hate Jesus without reason. I think of Bill Maher. I don't like to name people, but on TV, he's one of those that attacks Christians relentlessly and with foul language and with absolute assertions. I think of Richard Dawkins, the scientist, and I can name him because he's made a career out of it. It calls our God a homicidal, fratricidal, genocidal, on and on and on and on. There's a very famous paragraph of that. I don't think they know Jesus. And I think that's only partially their fault partially our fault because people know a lot more about churches than they do Jesus right now there's a thing in our society and I'm going to do this because I have five minutes and I can run get out of here before it boils over 
there's a thing in our politics, we've been talking about the deep state. In Britain, they've known about the deep state forever, the permanent civil service. And back in the, was it 70s or was it the 80s? I think it was the 80s. There was an amazing series on British TV called Yes Minister. And it was about this very well-meaning man who becomes a minister, a, a member of parliament. And he has all kinds of ideas. But the civil servants he's been assigned to help him always say yes, but end up doing the exact opposite because, no, this is the way we do things. And it doesn't sound funny, but it's frustratingly funny the entire thing. It was brilliant. So much that they, they brought it back a few years later and said, yes, prime minister. They made him the prime minister. If you can find any of this on YouTube, just look at it. They understand they have a permanent civil bureaucracy in place. And Americans are just beginning to, to figure that out about themselves as well. I want to go somewhere else with this. There is a dark, deep place that Christians have. That if you say something they don't agree with, the attacks are fierce, nasty, and as public as they can make them. That's what the people outside often see. That's why when Phil Yancey, in one of his famous books, talked to a prostitute and helped her and said, I want you to come to church with me, says that she looked at him shocked and said, why in the world would I want to go there? Do you think I'm not judged enough already? That I'm not judged enough by cops, by the people on the street, by uh, my own family, that I, that I would go there for extra? That's all she knew. Don McLaughlin, a good friend of mine, many of you may know Don, um, he's a great guy, uh, minister at North Atlanta for the longest time now, came from Anderson, Indiana. Well, that's where he was for a long time. I think he comes from Oregon. Never mind. Does tremendous work in North Atlanta. Talks about people that he was working with to bring them into to church who threw up in a parking lot. They were so scared to come in around what they saw Christians do. I think we need to take, our, take responsibility. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. We have lifted up a lot of things and called it Jesus. We need to be very careful. And I'm saying we. That's a collective pronoun. I'm in there. We only have two minutes. I don't want to go into the next bit because it starts really talking about the Holy Spirit and we need to do that. Anybody have comments about the deep state among Christians or uh, any of the other issues that we brought up? There is. Yes, Dale. Yes. Uh, one of the, yeah, he's saying one of the difficulties we have is when we point out the path, it's not the path that some people are on right now. Who wants to be told they're wrong? You know, the only time I can rem that I can tell you I love being told when I'm wrong is if I'm on the wrong road. Because I don't mind asking directions. I don't like being lost and wasting time. But in most places in our life, we don't like being told we're wrong. Uh, I can remember, I'll do this and we'll quit, but in Pepperdine, a couple years ago, during a lectureship, my son-in-law got me out on a panel, told me what the panel was after I agreed to get on it. Rookie mistake. Uh, and it was on pacifism or not pacifism, and I was going to be right beside Greg Boyd, who's one of my heroes in the faith, but he's a pacifist and I'm not. And the idea was we're all going to be asking, uh, asked questions, and somebody asked me, and I talked about how God had always ri risen, uh, raised up 
um, risen up, yes. I is a public speaker. Uh, raised up warriors uh, in every community to protect the people and, and like, and thought I was, made a case for it, and when I was done, he just turned to me and he goes, well, you're wrong, and he just took off and never addressed anything I'm saying. I didn't get a chance to talk again. Now, I, he's not a bad guy. He knew he had a limited amount of time to say his piece. I will tell you, Dale, I did not feel good about that statement. He was telling me, I'm on a path, you're wrong. And I'm going, no, no, I'm not. I'm thinking, all right, I'm the only non-pacifist I can take you to. But I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. You know, you'd pretty much have to be a pacifist for me to take you at this age. You know, if you yell attack, I'll have one. But I um, still, I remember that feeling. I don't like being told I'm wrong. So maybe a little empathy toward those people we're telling they're wrong might be in order. Hmm. We'll see you on Easter. Cheerio.